You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. Can you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 through 5? I'm going to go from here to 1 Corinthians. If you make notes this morning, would be a good morning. If you, uh, But I do want you to keep your Bible open. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring a Bible, you can look along with us on the screen, but it's always helpful to bring your Bible. Sometimes these screens just don't work like they're supposed to. So uh, you need to know what we're reading is right. Amen? Amen. Second Timothy chapter number 3, verses 1 through 5, and we'll stop right there. The Apostle Paul writes here to young Timothy. This is one of his pastoral epistles. And he says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I want to read that last verse one more time. Watch this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And I want to minister. I want to teach just a little bit this morning. I've got it early, so I've got an hour and 45 minutes or 15 minutes. So I'm going to try to use about 20 to 30 minutes of that this morning. And I want to minister this thought. A form of godliness without the power. A form of godliness without the power. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that the Lord would help us to minister and be effective today. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. And we thank you for the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've already felt, that we've already experienced today. God, I don't believe there's an individual here this morning that could deny that they didn't feel the presence of the Spirit move upon their person. I pray this morning that you would open our ears to hear our hearts, God, to receive and anoint my lips to deliver your already I'm asking you to do something that I can't do, and that is to touch the heart of man. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul writing here in the book of 2 Timothy, as a pastoral epistle, there's some things that I want to share with you as we get started here. I'm going to start at this text and, and go to another and try to bring some things together in hopes of challenging all of us to be diligent about our walk with God. And I want to be very clear this morning, not just right now, but as we travel through the text, that um, it's a challenge to all of us because no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord or, or if you know Jesus this morning, I have no right to exclude myself from anything that the Bible is teaching. Amen? If I'm going to be a good teacher, a good preacher, I've got to include myself in regards to what the Bible is teaching. I'm not exempt. I didn't walk in this morning as a perfect man. I walked in this morning as a believer that's being changed because of the prescribed order of God's victory by my faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Now here's what's in my heart. And, and I'm going to be very plain and very blunt before we get to the text. But here's what's been in my spirit, in my heart. Nothing can be more hypocritical than a professing believer, somebody that claims to be a Christian, but denies, won't allow the working of the Holy Spirit in their own life. Every single one of us has heard probably, or we've been told before, that I'm not going to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. Anybody heard that besides me? I'm not going to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. And uh, the church is quick to get on the defense side and throw our hand up and, and all of a sudden just, oh no. But you know what? As a whole, the church world as a whole has got a bunch of hypocrites. Amen. Is that okay this morning? 
got a bunch of hypocrites because we have a bunch of people that claim to be something that we're really not at all. And when the world sees us claiming to be something that we're not being or not allowing fruit to be produced in that area, listen, I don't think there's a greater tool uh, for the enemy of our soul than somebody that says they are, but that is denying the power thereof. And so as I, I, I don't believe there's any uh, greater weapon, I also believe that going through the motion, somebody that puts on a spiritual image, somebody that is producing the fruits of the flesh, somebody that is uh, succumbing to all of the temptations of the flesh and not producing the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, we're not helping build the kingdom if we're not allowing the Lord to work through us. It doesn't matter if you're, and, and listen, I'm not meaning this in a, a way to demean it at all, but you can, you should go to church. You should be faithful to the house of God. You should give to the work of God. You should read your Bible. You ought to pray when you're at home. We don't just pray when we come to church, but you need to understand that you can do all of these things, do all of the right things, go through all of the right motions, but if you're not allowing the Lord to do an internal work on you and the fruits of the flesh are being produced and those that you work with and teenagers, those that's at your school and those that are around you, we've done nothing but shot ourselves in the foot. We're not just not helping the kingdom of heaven, we are hurting the kingdom of heaven. And I got to be plain this morning. I got to be, I think it would be fair to say that in all of us, and uh, in all due respect, all of us this morning have been, I, I hope that it's okay that I include you. Maybe I should just talk about myself. But that all of us can get a little bit lazy in our walk with God and lazy about the things of God. And we can not be diligent about allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. So I don't think this morning that anybody has a right to throw a stone. I don't think this morning that anybody has a right to point fingers because if the truth was really known and you would be honest with yourself and honest with God, and I'm going to be honest with Steve this morning, there have been times when Steve has not been as diligent as what I have should have been. I have denied the power thereof. Paul told Timothy, here's a warning not just for you, but a warning that you need to warn the people of God about. You need to be careful to take on on the form of godliness and deny the power thereof because it's not going to help the kingdom of God any. I want to encourage this morning. I want to preach. I want to encourage this morning to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you. God did not call us, and think about my terminology, He didn't call us to be a mummy. Something that is dead but has no life. He called us to walk in the Spirit and to be a witness for Him. And He has given us all things needed. Nobody this morning, I'd have to be like the Apostle Paul told the Jews in Romans chapter 2, or, uh, Romans, Romans chapter 2, you, my friend, are left with no excuse. The Lord didn't leave me with any excuse of why that I'm not allowing Him to work through me. He loved me while I was a sinner. He had mercy upon me and forgive me because of my faith in Christ. He provided grace to help me to live and to walk with Him and to be changed. He gave me the power of the Holy Spirit, not just through grace, but to equip me to walk and to equip me for service. Uh, and He's promised to help me. He's got an unamount of time that He would forgive me and pick me back up, I can look and I can examine and I may find a lot of things, but you will not find a reason that we cannot live for the Lord. There's not there. It doesn't exist. He gave us everything that we need. Now look back with me if you would. Can we bring it back up? I'm going to go Romans 1 through 4. That may be too much for you to put up there, but I want to read that because I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. This know also that in the last days, Perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of their own self. Does any of this sound familiar to anybody? They will be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than they are lovers of God. And surely these things sound 
a little bit familiar in the day and the time that we live in. Church, I want you to understand, this was written somewhere between 1955 to 1960 years ago. An apostle stood and said, in the last days, these are going to happen. This has not been modified. This has not been changed to fit 2023. But this many years ago, a man prophesied and said, in the last days, this is going to happen. There should be no doubt in the heart of the believer that we are living in the last days. I'm not looking for more prophecy to be unfolded. I'm looking for the sky to split. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet because soon and very soon Jesus will return to receive the church back to Him. We look. The word here, perilous times, it means dangerous times. It means still yet that the believer is a minority. Dangerous times are coming. We're promised that we will not go through the wrath of the great tribulation, but there will be dangerous times. The believer is a minority. We see things all night, and I'm not here to bicker and argue. I'm here to give you Scripture and here to give you Bible because I know there's a lot of different ideas that are split, but when you see people on television that is just getting fighting mad because somebody is trying to save the life of an unborn child, we have a problem. We have a problem. Dangerous times. They'll go back, didn't get their way. Let's blow up their, their house or whatever. Just ridiculous, childish stuff. But it's a dangerous, it's dangerous times. The Bible says here also, and I'm skipping down to verse number four. I don't have time to go through everything, but they would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The things that please the flesh would take precedence over the things that would please God. We're more consumed about activities and we're more consumed about things that would, uh, that would entertain our flesh than what we would be that would entertain the things of God. You see that no longer, even on Sundays or during church time, does the world honor and reverence the time of the Lord. And even when I was a child, which not very long ago, we seen where they were more reverent than what they are today. But listen, the things of God doesn't mean anything to the things of the world. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't honor as a whole. There's no respect. Things that please the flesh take precedence over the things of God. Church, we're here. This is where we're at. We're right here. Paul said last days, we're here. Today, you don't need to, you don't need to uh, doubt that or wonder. We're here. Verse number five, he says this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. The word form here literally means appearance. Having an appearance of godliness. Now, why in the world would anybody want to mimic the things that a Christian or the activities that a Christian does? I'll tell you. Because the first thing we judge is what is on the outside and what they're doing on the outside. The appearance, go through the motions, do everything right, uh, dot, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, but the first thing you're going to judge is whatever you see on the outside because that's what natural man does. This is form. This is what we're looking at in regards to form. But God does not look on the outside and the outward appearance. He looks on the heart which man cannot see. Now I said that to say this, look, we can look pretty. We can put the suit on. Uh, we can be there every time the doors are open. We can fool our neighbor. You can fool your spouse. But none of those are going to stand on judgment day and judge you. We will not fool God. We will not trick God. And it is God that I will have to give an account to. So the form is going to do me no good. The word godliness here. It literally means everything that envelops the motions of a Christian. The believer, yes, I've said it before and I'm going to emphasize it. I'm not telling you you need to go to church. I'm going to tell you this. If you're a believer, you ought to have a desire to be in the house of God. We live by faith. And I want my faith fed. And I want to be in the presence of God. And I want to fellowship with those that are like-minded. And so where do I do that? I do it at church. This is a public setting where we can come together and fellowship one with another. You need fellowship. And look, if you're a believer, you should have a desire to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm going to help you with this. I'm not going to tell you you're not a believer if you have no desire to be in the house of God. But I'm going to tell you this. If you don't have a desire, there's a prayer 
prayer point that you need to be attentive to. You need to hit your knees and say, God, the desire to be in your house is not what it needs to be. I ask you to forgive me, and I'm asking you to build that desire in me. Don't just let it fall by the wayside. Acknowledge it and reach to the Lord for help. Everything that envelops the motions of a Christian, the believer needs to go to church. The believer should have a godly character. The believer should live separate from the things and the desires of the world. But listen, just doing, just doing, just doing, just doing these things doesn't make me a believer. What we are, watch this, what we're looking at when nobody's around. What are we listening to when nobody's around? Where are we going when nobody that I go to church with is going to find out? When you're at home with your pajamas on and your feet kicked up and you run out of sweet tea, that's who we really are. Amen? Everybody thinks I'm horrible now. Now see my wife, she just walked up. She walked up behind me in that devotional and she's just laughing. And she gets down by me and she's just over laughing. That's how it is to live with me, just overjoyed. I got it on camera. Overjoyed. <laughs> she didn't amen that. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> but who we are when we're at our house and nobody else is around I know we don't want to talk about what we're looking at. These things. The things in your heart that we're too ashamed to talk to anybody about. I'm preaching good. That's, that's who we are. And that's what God wants to change. And I'll tell you this. You got things in your heart you're too ashamed to talk to somebody about. That's okay. You don't have to go and air out your dirty laundry to somebody. Jesus didn't die on the cross of Calvary to embarrass you and make a fool out of you. He died on the cross of Calvary to make the person of the Holy Spirit available as a helper to us. You got things in your heart you're ashamed of? Go to the Lord. Say, God, I've got this. You do look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make the Lord blush. You're not gonna catch him off guard. Here's something you may not know. He already knows what's in your heart. So I can go to the Lord. I can go to the throne room of grace boldly. And there I can present my need. And I will find grace to help me whenever I need help. And the Holy Spirit will help me. He's changing things. He's altering things. That's what He's supposed to do. Here is what He's talking about. God, then it's don't just go through the act. Be genuine and let the Lord work and move upon us. Then there's another word here I want to look at. He says denying the power, denying the power thereof. The word denying is rejecting. It's a refusal. It is, and then the question has to be, why? Why would I reject? Why would I refuse the only help that God has given me? Well, it could be a lack of teaching, and people just don't know how to let the Lord work in their life, because I spent 26 years that way. That could be a, a question. But another good answer is this. There could be something in my heart that the Lord's wanting changed that I just don't want Him to change yet. Because the flesh got to liken it. Oh, I'm preaching real good now. The flesh got to liken it. And when the Lord went to convicting me, I'm thinking, Lord, why don't you help me a little bit with this or help me a little bit with that? But don't touch this. I'm not ready to let go of that. But listen, <laughs> sometimes if we want God to do what we would call the easy things, we've got to go ahead and say, okay, God, you got access to all of it. And God can go in and take out one thing, and there's two or three other things that's already attached to it, and they came out automatically just because we allowed access of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Paul said we got a form of godliness, but we're rejecting, uh, we're pushing away the help of the Holy Spirit, and that's not what the church it's supposed to do. Help me real quick, Pastor Brian. He's my brother, so I understand I'm walking on dangerous grounds if I give him a little push. If there was rocks on this pulpit piled up, and me as a believer, all of them rocks stood for something, and I'm needing God to change them, 
Here's what the believer is supposed to do. We're supposed to say, Lord, I see all of that. But I already know that I can't remove them on my own. So I place my faith in Christ and what He's done for me on the cross of Calvary. Here's what God does when He sees our proper faith. He sends a helper. And he says, okay, and that helper, as long as I keep my faith in Christ, he's grabbing them rocks, he's grabbing that junk, and he's removing it. Lord, I I can't, but you can. I place my faith in you and what you've already done on the cross of Calvary. And as long as I keep my faith there, then he's working on my behalf. Paul wrote this because here is what was happening. The believer is saying, oh no, I can get that. I can get that. And when I found that there was some I couldn't pick up because they were too heavy for me, I'm saying, God, I don't know if I can. I place my faith back in you and what you've already done. And when the Holy Spirit doing, we keep moving up here and rejecting and pushing away of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is telling us this. This is your help. You don't have anything in your heart that he's not able to change. Quit pushing him away. Quit rejecting him. Let him do what Jesus has sent him to do. Thank you. Denying the power. Watch this. The word power is this. It is literally this. Miracle working power. In fact, it comes from the same word that we get our word dynamite. The word in the Greek is dunamis. Dunamis power. We got the word dynamite. You, I don't know if you ever messed with dynamite or not, but uh, uh, it's, it's, we used to blow a few beaver dams on, on the on the farm to get the water flowing just right and it was always let me tell you something when you're holding a piece of dynamite and the fuse is lit that's different that's different and when that no matter what the beaver done how much water they're holding back didn't make any difference when we got that dynamite in there and it exploded things went everywhere in fact the guy I was with he said come on get behind the truck we ran and got behind the truck. I outrun him. It was my first time with dynamite. I'm like, I got outrun a horse. Got behind the truck. Things went everywhere, exploded, and the water began to flow. You know what water in the Bible is? Water in the Bible is a type of the Holy Spirit. And if we want that water to flow one more time, we're going to have to quit denying his help, and we're going to have to... Oh, I want to preach this morning. Let him do what he wants to do in our heart and in our life because we can't do it anyway. Watch this. The word means miracle working power. You know what? There's been some things in my heart and in my life that literally, if they, if God would have not changed them or broke them, they would have never been changed because it took a miracle to work it. When you see somebody come in that was formerly a lifestyle of drugs or alcohol or or other type of addiction or the, uh, the the bondage of religion listen that's going to take a miracle if there's something in your life this morning that you would say it will take a miracle to be able to change this or to heal my broken heart of something of the past I've got good news for you God's got miracle working power that is able to change or heal your heart miracle working power Then he says this, from such, turn away. Why? From such, turn away literally means to avoid. Why? Because I need to protect my witness. And I need to protect my relationship with God. Amen? Let me tell you this. If there's five of you in a group, and you're trying to live for the Lord... And you keep on, keep on, keeping on, hanging around with those that profess, but that are not, when they're not at church, guess what's going to happen? That's right. You're going to start acting like they're acting. Paul says, I don't want that to happen. Just avoid. Just stay away. They'll wonder why. No, I'm not teaching isolation. They'll wonder why. They'll see your witness. They'll see your testimony. Avoid. Because what? We have in regards to the treasure that God has given us in our heart. That's really 
what they want. And I'll never forget the example Brother Jeff gave on a youth night. I wasn't even in here, but they, they told me about it. I had several teens walked up to me and told me, but he said, if you're down there and I'm up here and you try to pull me down, it's not going to be real hard. But if you're down there and I'm up here and I'm trying to pull you up, it's going to be tough. It's a lot easier to be pulled down than it is to be brought up. So Paul says, your relationship with Christ is just too valuable from such turn away. If I put this together and made it simple, and I wanted to define these words, it says this, when we recognize or discern that those that are going through the motions but are producing no fruit of the Spirit because they have rejected the only way of victory, then we need to protect our witness. This teaching, avoid teaching, avoid preaching, avoid behavior. That will damage your walk with God because my walk with the Lord is the greatest. Now, I want to go to one other thing and I'm going to leave you alone. And I want you to keep in mind a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Will you go to 1 Corinthians? Look at here. We've read this several times, but I want to, I want to carefully read it this morning. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to turn to it so that I can I can just read right to it, through it right in front of me. It's again, Paul talking here. He said, I, brethren, came to you not with an excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything. Watch this. To know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now if I carefully, and I'm not going to spend as much time on it this morning, but I want to give you an example because Paul is saying we got to be careful not to have a form and deny the power. We don't need a form without the power. Listen and think about what, where did Paul go? What is the atmosphere and the environment that he just walked into? He went into the home church there at Corinth, the church that's supposed to be setting the pace, the church that's supposed to be living the life and letting their light shine. And here's what they found. He found that they were okay with adultery. They were okay with fornication. They were okay with idolatry. In fact, he even told them, he said, I'm hearing all the time of how much fornication is going on in the church. Oh, that don't happen in the church. Okay, I'll fly right by it. We're not getting many amens on that. He said, I'm hearing of all of these gross sins that's going on in the church. Paul is about to walk into this. He's about to walk into this setting. Everybody that was before him was okay living like they were living. Here's what he done. He walked right in and stood before them. Boldly. And he said, I want you to know this. If I started in verse number one, he said, I didn't come to you with an excellency of speech this morning. I didn't come to you with something that's just going to knock you off your feet or going to be Facebook worthy of a little one-liner because it was just amazing that everybody here. He said, I done thought about it. I done gave it deep thought. I done been in prayer. I done been meditating. And here's what I done. I determined to not come before you with anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all I've got to say. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What does that mean? Determined means He condemned. Determined means that He made up His mind and He wasn't going to change His mind. And He said, I am, my mind is made up. Here's what I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and what He done on the cross of Calvary. Because it is the only message that is going to change your heart and line us back up with what God wants us to be. Think about this. He did not step before them as many preachers done this morning with a word of faith doctrine. He did not step before them with the power of your confession doctrine. I know there's biblical principle there, but the church has taken it too far. They took it so far as that's how you receive and that's how God gives to you. That's not true. That's not true. 
The foundation of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation is faith in a sacrifice. Faith in a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. He didn't stand up in front of them with some denominational bylaws. He didn't stand up in front of them saying, if you're a part of this church, you're right. And if you're a part of any other church, you're wrong. He didn't stand up before them and immediately start telling them how to dress or how to do this or how to do that. He didn't do that. He came and tell them what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary is able to set you free and if you place your faith in his finished work the Holy Spirit will change and transform your heart I was heartbroken a couple of weeks ago a girl I know acquaintance I've known all my life made this statement she said and I don't mean this unkind to her and if she watches later But she made the statement that so many others would make if they had the opportunity. And that statement was this. I've tried Jesus. I've tried religion. And all of that stuff never did work for me. By her wording, and I had, I went in, I told Sister Becky, I said, I can't, I just can't leave that alone. I've got to friendly, just friendly uh, talk to her and let her know. But by that statement, here's what I know. I know that this, that wherever she was at, that she heard like so much of the church has heard today, that if you will accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, that you will be saved. And now that you are saved, you need to start doing this and this and this and this and this and this. And this and this and this. And if you had a problem, it's because you didn't do this enough. And if you messed up, you didn't do this enough. Uh, And she said it didn't work for me. You know why it didn't work? Because that kind of teaching is religious teaching. uh, And religion will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. Listen, church, it's not about your performance, uh, it's about your faith. And if you believe right, you will do right, and your heart will be changed. Give you a list of rules and regulations. Is that fun to anybody? No. Not going to do it anyway. Okay. I'm a little too honest this morning. If you do things because they're a desire, instead of you feel like you have to do them, you're going to do them more. I'm preaching good. You're going to do them more. If I have to do it, I didn't like cleaning my room as a, as a boy either, but I had to do it. But I can honestly say I never done it because I had a desire to do it. Wasn't there. Got a free day today. Beautiful outside. I think I'll clean my room. Never said it. Never said that. So Paul determined that he was going to give them something that would work. And the only message that will work, listen, I don't mean this unkind, but I mean it honestly. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. And I'm not just dealing with drug addiction. Look, the work of God is very important with me. It's very important. People sit in the congregation, they're not just dealing with things that you can see on the outside. There's people that's dealing with things plumb back to their childhood, abuse, a heart that's broken that has made them put up a, a wall and shield themselves from everything else. We're dealing with hard things. And if I'm going to deal with hard things, I'm not going to come to you with some type of generic gospel that's going to make you feel good and going to tickle your ears. I want you to be changed. I want you to be transformed and I want you to be healed. So I must give you Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse number three, he tells them this, I was with you, I was with you, watch this, in weakness and in fear and much trembling. You know what that means? Paul, this is not talking about the church, Paul came before them in much weakness and much fear and much trembling. Youth leaders, teachers, children, wherever you're at, pastors, we can all relate to this. If you're here and you preach, Paul literally went to them like this. I want to be so careful to say what I need to be to say and to quit when I need to quit. He's telling them he went to them in regards to a true concern. He realized, watch this, there's times that I've only got one shot. That's what Paul was realizing. They may kick me out and never let me come back. 
This morning, with all due respect, if I've only got one shot, I want to, I want to make it good. And the only way I can make it good is to tell you that may, you may have tried religion. You may have tried church. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, if you'll place your faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary, God will change your heart. Paul said, I was worried. I was concerned. You know what preachers do after they get done preaching? They go home. One of my pastors, childhood pastors, sent me a text one morning. I mean, read my mail. Told me, he said, Sunday night, you go home. You lay awake. Even if you sleep good, you lay awake. You're thinking about those that were there in your congregation. You were thinking about those that was not there. You're thinking about the message. Did I say this right? Did we do this right? You're thinking about everything and every little detail. Your mind is turning and you can't shut it off. And people want to know why you're aging quickly or this or that or whatever. Because of the mental stress and the mental uh, turmoil of it is just so much more than what people see. You know what? There's not been a preacher here. I've talked to them. I've sat in business with them. How that when they go home uh, after they preach the message, did I do this right? I feel like I bombed out. I feel like I failed. I feel like... I wasted the people time. Uh, Paul was saying, I went with fear and, tr- and much trembling. In other words, uh, he went with true concern. Uh, you need to know we may be in the flesh. Uh, we may be human. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, we are doing our best to let the Lord work through us to touch and to prick the heart of somebody that needs to hear it. Now, I want to say this, pastor, teacher, youth leaders, children's church workers, mission uh, workers, uh, you get your head up. You let God use you and leave it there at the altar. God already knew who He was when He called us. Paul said, I went with this. I was concerned. I was worried that I wouldn't do it right. Verse number 4 means this. May not have been a full of a bunch of amazing quotes. But it did produce the results that was needed to be produced. Paul is the one preaching. Think about this. He used to go in and persecute believers. He had the right to stone them. And Paul is standing up here. Do you know Paul's past was so tainted that when people say, we're sending you Paul, they'd be like, uh-uh. Now he ain't coming to my church. Do you know him? I mean, when the Lord himself told, told give me the, Ananias, Hey, I've got one. His name is Saul. He went on to Damascus, and he's in a room. I want you to go to pray for him. Ananias said, do you know him? God, do you know him? I mean, he's breathing threatening. He's he's wanting to kill us. I'm not walking into a room, just me and him. He said, yeah, but Paul prayeth. You need to know this morning that Paul is the one standing up here He came from that kind of transformation. And that kind of transformation only came because he understood the revelation of Christ and him crucified. And verse, I'm going to quit with this, verse number five. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The word stand here is has faith that exists only seclusively in one thing. He's hoping that the listener will examine our heart and make sure that we're not trusting in anything except Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. That your faith would stand only in the power of God. If we went back to chapter 1, verse number 18, we would learn that the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which is saved it is the power of of God. The word power in verse number 18, the word power in verse 5, the verse uh, the word power in verse 5 in 2 Timothy is all the same word. It means the all, all the same thing. It is miracle working power. Here's what Paul said, if you will keep your faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary, you will not be just a form. You will have the power of God working in you to change you no matter what it is that you need changed. Nothing about you God can't change. Unless your problem is bigger than dead and buried. Amen. He called us to be careful that, we'll be, that we could be a witness. The answer is still Christ and Him crucified. If we're going to be a person that's not just a form. If we're going to have the power working in us. That answers for the addict. That's answers for the alcoholic. 
that answers for the brokenhearted, that answers for the, those that suffer with depression, that answers for those that suffer from child abuse, that answers for the good old boy that thinks he's got everything together, and I'm not denying that you're not a good person, and you 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 got a great life, and you do good in life, but the truth of the matter is, there's only one way of salvation, just being good. It's not going to save you. If you want your name on the Lamb's Book of Life, we've got to go through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. That answer stands, and that answer remains. Brother Jeff, would you come? A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I want you to think about this, and I'm going to have, I want him to go ahead and play whenever you get ready. But while he's getting ready, I want, I want to remind you of one powerful story in the Bible, and I want you to try to, I try to picture, Brother James always told me, try to get an image, try to put ourselves there, and it's helped me greatly. And I try to picture, if we went back to Ezekiel chapter 37, the Lord called and began to speak to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel 37 is the powerful story, the prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. Think about this. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to, because I think we can understand it better. But the Lord brought Ezekiel to a high place where he could see. And he said this, Ezekiel, what do you see? He said, I see a valley of dry bones. And the Lord says, behold, they are very dry. That is meant to implicate to us, not only were they dry bones, but it had been a long time since there had been any life at all. He said, Ezekiel is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to these dry bones. If that would have been me, my first thought was, would have been this. If I'm going to prophesy to a valley of dry bones, thank God I'm out here all by myself. Nobody's going to think I just lost my mind. He said, I want you to prophesy to this valley of dry bones. And here's what I'm going to do. Prophesy here means preach. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to cause them to come back together. I'm going to cause them to get their muscle back, their flesh back. And I'm going to raise them up as an exceedingly great army. And Ezekiel's like, okay, Lord. He said, all right. Go ahead, preach. Preach, preacher. Preach. Preach to this valley of dry bones. Go ahead. If you'll just be obedient, I'll do everything else. Preach to this valley. And Ezekiel began to preach. And Ezekiel, before he saw anything, he heard something. There was a shaking going on. I don't know if animals had scattered the bones or what happened. But there was a rattling that was going on. And all of a sudden... The Bible says bone came to its bone. Every bone came back to where it's supposed to be. And he looking and listening to the Lord and the Lord saying, keep preaching. Preach on, preacher. Prophesy, Ezekiel. So he kept preaching. Here come the sinews. Here come the muscles. Here come the tendons. Here come the veins. Everything is coming back together. And the Lord saying, Preach, preach on, preacher. And Ezekiel preaching on. And all of a sudden, the flesh came upon them. The flesh was there. Now we have our form, Brother Richard. Every one of us looked the same as a skeleton. But when the flesh comes back, we all look different. Now we have our identity. We looked apart. We have a form there. We have a form of the church. But now, the Lord says, Ezekiel, what do you see? I see that the valley of dry bones has took on all of this form. But the Lord says this, there's no life there. There's no, <laughs> there's no life there yet. Listen, form of godliness 
But denying the power thereof, the valley took on the form. They look like an army. They look like men. They look like women. They look like they could raise right up and they had life. But the truth of the matter is, there was no life because there was no power yet. And the Lord says, now, I'm turn your attention from the valley of dry bones and you start preaching to the wind. You prophesy to the four winds, uh, north, south, east, and west. You say, blow wind. You blow the breath of life. And they're going to raise up as an exceedingly great. I feel the presence of the Lord this morning. And Ezekiel prophesied. And he preached. And the Holy Spirit came. And the Bible says, they raised up an exceedingly great army. But it did not happen without the power of the Holy Spirit. Preach, preacher. Preach, preacher. Church, I come to tell you this this morning. And I'm going to shut up. The world has seen long enough a church that has no power. The world has seen, I'm not talking about somebody getting up out of the wheelchair, and I'm not denying that because I've seen God do some great things. We want to see God do great miracles, but we don't want to let Him work in our individual life when we're at home. If I can't believe God to change my attitude, if I can't believe God to change my temper, why am I looking for God to open blinded eyes? The world does not need a church that has no power. The world does not need a church that has a form. The world needs a church that's made up by individual believers that are saying, Lord, here am I. And I know how to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me. I don't want to be a part of the form. I don't want to go through the motions. Uh, Here am I. I place my faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. You can know the message. You can preach the message. Uh, You can tell me the message. But if we're not applying it to our heart, it's no good. So this morning... That's my, that's my heart. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you this morning to bow your head. Close your eyes, please. Simple altar call. Everybody's being respectful of, of everybody and everybody's being reverent to the Holy Spirit. You know, Sometimes people don't come to an altar. They feel like, well, that's intimidating. Listen, a place to pray is a safe spot. A place to pray. There's no shame here. And to be truthful this morning, whether you are saved, whether you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Or maybe you're here and you've just denied the power of God working through you. You're why I'm here this morning. I'm here to see the Lord save the lost, heal the sick, set the captive free. I'm here to see Him and witnessing Him doing a work in your heart that you can't do. This morning, for whatever reason you say, I have quenched the help of the Holy Spirit. I've denied that power. You can deny it and not be saved. You can deny it and not be changed and sanctified. But for whatever reason, you say, I'm here and I need to talk to the Lord about something. I need to ask Him to forgive me and help me. And I need to ask grace to flow in this area of my life. This morning, I just want to make a time that you can come. That we can gather. We're going to gather. Just come behind you. Pray for you. Put our arm around you. Whatever it may be. I haven't called off a spot this morning that everybody in here has not been at some time in their life. But you're here this morning. You're saying, I once again need the power of the Holy Spirit to work and flow through me. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I've denied that power. I've rejected that power. I've pushed that power away. But I need it working through me.
I've learned that if I rejected it, nothing's changing. I'm not getting better. I'm not being transformed. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I need the power of God working through me. Would you come? The Lord has not forgot about you this morning. God loves you this morning. He's not forgot. His hand is stretched out still. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Would you come this morning? If you don't know Jesus, would you come? You say, I want to be saved this morning. I want somebody to pray for me. That's going to be me. I'd love to pray with you individually. Would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? One more time. We need the power of God working through us, transforming, changing us, altering us. Come on, would you come this morning? People are still coming. It's a comfort place. We're all in the same boat. We're just all at point A trying to make it to point B. And the only way we can do that is to go through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? There's plenty, plenty of room this morning. Come on, would you come? Make your way. God, I don't want to just afford. I'm not wanting to just deny the power. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Help me this morning. God, touch your people this morning. Maybe you want to pray right where you're at. Why don't you grab your neighbor by the hand and say, pray for me. Whatever it may be, it's a good time to pray. It's a good time to call upon the Lord. Lord, help me to be what you need me to be. Help me to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through me, Lord. God, I need your help this morning. Come on, let's call out to the Lord. God, touch your people this morning, whatever you feel. Touch your people this morning, Lord. Change and transform us, God. Alter us, God, into your image, Lord. Hallelujah. Start with me, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, touch your people. Touch your people this morning, Lord. Only you can speak. And everything we're longing for, the presence of a living God breathe, like only you can breathe. So come and fill this room, anything apart from you, but let it fall away, but let it fall away, if it's not you wanna do anything apart from you? Well, let it fall away. Let it fall. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.